0: building manufacturing investing and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives heal the planet and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business so are you ready to join the i revolution
1: hey this is coach freddie and i'm here having a conversation with brian richardson he's with Foundations Insurance and Financial Services, and he's located in Lakewood, Colorado. How you doing there, Brian?
2: I'm doing real good this morning. How are you, Freddie? Oh,
1: fantastic, fantastic. So we're going to talk about a, a subject here that everybody has been talking about for four or five years already, and this is about crop insurance. So yes, we're going to dive into this and just answer a few questions that were coming up. So uh, first of all, Brian, tell us who is Foundation Insurance and how do they support the industrial hemp arena?
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Freddie. Uh, again, my name is Brian Richardson, and I'm the co-founder of Foundations Insurance and Financial Services I've been an insurance agent nearly my entire working life. And uh, after about 10 years as an independent insurance and financial advisor, uh, a chance meeting with an old friend uh, turned into uh, what is now a 10 year marriage as well as a 10 year business relationship. So about 10 years ago, uh, my lovely wife and business partner, Rebecca, uh, had started our own business together, combining our clienteles uh, that we had developed over the past uh, 10 years. So we're going on 20 years in the insurance business, and I've been working with the, the hemp and the cannabis industry since 2012. So since the early beginning of, of recreational cannabis and, and slightly before hemp was an industry, um, and and I and I did that by simply getting involved. You know, I I, I joined what at that time was the Rocky Mountain Hemp Association, and yes. be, began going to uh, their networking meetings, and uh, you know quickly learned that you know in the early stages there there was not much industry. People were actually looking for me, the insurance man, to 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 buy seeds from me, and so you know I, I assured them i didn't have any seeds for sale uh, but i wished them the best so that was you know like i said 2013 maybe 2014 um so you know we've yeah. been working with the hemp industry ever since we're we're members of um of most of the uh the trade organizations uh, that service the industry the the NCIA uh, the National Hemp Association the Industrial Hemp Research Foundation, as well as the Hemp Industries Association, and we we've been uh, helping hemp businesses with a variety of different uh, insurance needs, from you know general and product liability. Obviously, a lot of the product manufacturers out there um, need need that insurance quite frequently. Um, extractors, um, you know, brand makers, white labelers. Um, mm-hmm. You, you name it, and, and most recently now crop insurance. So that's a little yeah. bit about our, our history with the hemp business.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about crop insurance for people that aren't farmers, and like myself, and go through some of the history of other crops and, and how it evolved into industrial hemp?
2: Sure, no problem. Well, crop insurance is not a new concept at all the first um, crop insurance program uh, was enacted by congress by passing the federal crop insurance act in 1938 um, you know to summarize the first four decades frankly of crop insurance uh... it was uh, not a very successful program uh, er- early efforts uh, to get farmers involved were, were not very successful Uh, mainly because of uh, higher-than-expected insurance costs that the farmers couldn't afford and higher-than-expected claims. So you put those two together and you get low participation, low success. So that went on, again, until about 1980 when the the very first uh, public-private partnerships were created between the federal government and the insurance industry. And you know, at that time, uh you know everybody loves insurance companies, but they are they are very efficient companies so the the efficiencies of the insurance industry compared to the efficiencies of the government, of course, um, led to uh, slightly lower insurance costs and slightly higher participation rates, but still nothing you know nothing nothing too impactful in the mid nineties. Uh, More legislation was passed that created what's called the Risk Management Agency, which is a division of the USDA, and its sole purpose is to administer federal crop insurance programs. Uh, At that time, probably the biggest change uh, to the program was, that for the first time, premium subsidies were introduced where the federal government would actually pay um, a significant portion of the farmers insurance premium for them making obviously the cost of the insurance much more affordable and that increased participation in the crop insurance system dramatically uh, you know we fast forward to 2014 uh, with the initial farm bill and the uh, and the allowance of, of hemp and the red, creating the registration for hemp farmers later in 2018. Uh, the Farm Bill, where uh, hemp was finally uh, declassified as Schedule One, opening up all the doors for uh-huh. uh, interstate commerce and and obviously opening the door for for, for a federally uh, subsidized crop insurance program uh, as well. So that's kind of um, how, how we got how we got here today.
1: Okay, so uh, what are the uh, crop insurance options that are available for 2020?
2: Uh, good question. Up until up until a short time ago, maybe a couple of months, um, we were told um, that there was uh, only going to be one product available uh, for the hemp industry, and that particular product is called Whole Farm Revenue Protection, and it, it's a it's a great insurance product and it's great protection. However, it was specifically designed. For uh, you know, a farmer with significant agricultural production history, uh, at least six years worth of production history in other crops, not just hemp, Uh, and 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 also it was designed for people to cover uh, multiple crops, including livestock, under one policy. Um, Oh. It was very difficult to qualify for because of that six-year production history and a few other factors um, that that made it, uh, everybody realized it was not going to be a very successful program. So uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, a new pilot program was introduced. And this pilot program, uh, you know, I'd seen some... I'd seen some some talk about it, but it was really not going very well, and it didn't look like it was going to actually get released. Uh, mainly because a lot of the the farmers were not reporting their production, and so they were you know in, in a bit of a data crunch where they didn't have quite enough data. But they 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 in fact ended up rolling it out just a month and a half, two months ago. I received. Uh, a press release from the USDA and all the program materials. So in addition to that, um, that whole farm revenue product that's geared toward experienced farmers, we have a, uh, it's called a 508H hemp pilot program, which is very exciting. It, It allows many more farmers to participate as it only requires one year of registered hemp production and it's okay. uh, so, so it's yes it's much more open to a lot more farmers that will be able to participate that are new that are new to the hemp space so that's really um, the the product that, that, that I'm talking about with most of my most of my clients right now.
1: Okay, so all you need is is one year of of hemp production, but what is needed to substantiate that? What what do they have to have?
2: Right. Well, in addition to that one year uh, of registered hemp production, um, there are a couple things that that are required that seem to be relatively problematic, yet also you know might open up some new opportunities uh, for the industry. And in that um, you know, in, in 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 other commodity crops such as corn, wheat, soybeans, grain, sorghum, and so on, um, a farmer does not. Invest the money to plant his field before that product is sold in the market, and that's the big difference with hemp right now. Is that farmers are you know they're betting on the come. Obviously they're 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 planting with with no end market for their hemp, and that's really problematic for the crop insurance system because you know whether as consumers we believe it or not, things bad things tend to happen. When when there's no market for the product out there, so yep. they feel like, among other things, obviously unsold product is is just much riskier, and um, you know, and mistakes might get made along the way, and so on. Um, but uh, so the uh, processor's contract is one of the things uh, that is required to ensure your hemp under this program. And a processor's contract is is actually obviously quite tough to come by right now, but um, yeah. that's that's kind of what we're working on. That seems to be the big um, the big roadblock right now is uh, finding farmers and farmers finding processors that 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 do have the financial ability and the wherewithal to purchase the hemp that is grown for them.
1: So how much coverage can they get?
2: This particular, the, the hemp pilot program is what's called an actual production history policy. So what you're ensuring is a level of production, not necessarily the value of the crop, which is part of the good news for the hemp industry and why this pilot program um, you know, might work for some folks. Because even though it does require a processor's contract, that contract doesn't have to guarantee the amount of money that is to be paid for the farmer. It only has to establish that the farmer promised to pay to grow the hemp and the, and the processor promises to buy all of the hemp that the farmer produces. So that's that's really kind of what's needed to substantiate that. In terms of how much coverage that a farmer can get, there are various coverage levels available and for hemp in 2020, the coverage levels are going to range from 50% to upwards of 75% of previous production. Um, so that's the, the maximum amount of coverage that you can get. So in that, in that scenario, even at the 75% coverage level, obviously a farmer has to lose 25% total percent of their total production to even qualify uh, for an indemnity and there is there is one other option out there that that I that I feel like I should mention because for a lot of farmers it seems like it might be the only thing that they can qualify for and that's called the catastrophic option it's not just for hemp again it's it's applicable to all commodity crops under all crop insurance programs and they have made this catastrophic option Available to the hemp industry, and what that says Freddie, is that if a farmer loses fifty percent or more of their production due to a covered loss, and we can we'll obviously can get into that, but if a farmer loses fifty percent of their production, the insurance company is going to indemnify that farmer for anything over and above that 50% loss of production and they will buy the remaining 50% up to 50% of production for 55 cents on the dollar if that makes sense so the the USDA has established the price per pound for hemp whether it's fiber seed or flour or the whole plant that's used for CBD production we're telling what kind of well, what kind of coverage can I get? That's that's yeah. the coverage that's available: fifty to seventy-five percent. The catastrophic option uh, being something that a farmer can can fall back on. You know, so it's it's what you get with that catastrophic option is you end up you end up with about twenty-seven, twenty-eight percent protection. Okay, so it, that's why they call it the catastrophic option. Um, but it's much more affordable than any of the other coverage levels. So for somebody who just wants to dip their toe in the water, um, it's it's an it's an excellent option, and I have a feeling it's going to be appropriate for a lot of farmers here this growing season. So what kind of
1: events what what can happen out there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know that's 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 the sixty four thousand dollar question, right? Everybody wants <laughs> to know what it what it covers and. And I guess more importantly, what, okay. what it doesn't cover, and you know, it's first it's important to know that again, this this list of uh, covered events and non-covered events is not specific to industrial hemp. This okay. these list of perils, as they call them, are these are part of every uh, what is called a multi-peril crop insurance policy. Is the program that we're talking about now, and so what is covered? uh you know things like uh, destructive weather events i mean they don't narrow it down to every single type of destructive weather event which is good right uh because yeah. you know it covers more things but we're talking about wind hail uh frost yeah. early early freeze that kind of thing yeah. okay. um flooding and or drought okay both those okay. both those are covered uh di- disease And insect and wildlife is is also covered, assuming that the farmer, you know, has a mitigation plan. The way the government sees it, if a farmer discovers that he has insects in his field and he has an infestation of some kind, um, obviously they're they're required to submit uh, a mitigation plan to the USDA, and then they must follow that to obviously try to attempt to correct the problem themselves. So that's kind of a, a short list of the things that are covered okay. um, what's not covered, probably more maybe even more important. Uh, of course, you know poor farming and irrigating practices and just the inability to grow a successful crop is is not covered loss. Um, uh, accidental pollination, contamination from a neighboring farm. Is another thing that is not covered. Now that is not a crop insurance um, peril that's covered. However, you know there are insurance policies uh, such as pollution liability insurance that could come into play there. But you know this is this is coverage that the other farmer has to have in place. So you know anytime it's probably a good idea to talk to your neighbor and get to know your neighbor and what kind of of insurance everybody has, because obviously the the, the pollination is a huge thing. Um, Right. You know, and I could see a lot of things happening like that. If we get heavy rains that, you know, that that wash a a lot of nutrients and other things down into the irrigation system and it gets into neighboring farms, it's uh, a big thing. And, And another thing that's not typically covered is an accidental fire that's not caused naturally. These are know thought to be other kinds of insurance risks so you know if the if the combine or the tractor catches fire in the field or you know gas tanks that were left around um catch fire in the field those types of things um are not covered and the big one freddie is Growing what they call hot hemp, and they don't call it hot hemp. And this is not really my stance, but everybody should know that this is the crop insurance system stance. If you grow hemp that contains more than 0.3 percent THC, you did not grow hemp that year. You grew marijuana, so uh, everything everything goes out the window as far as that.
1: Uh, so. <laughs>
2: So growing hemp that has more than 0.3% THC is not, and, and of course, uh, needing to destroy that is not a covered cause of loss. However, I want to, I want to. There's a caveat to that, and it's a big one, and that is, you know, oftentimes in June or July, obviously, I have no idea how much THC content is in that, and it and it's probably nowhere nowhere near hot at that point. Um, so if there is a loss, so it's a hailstorm, that's obviously the easiest one. Um, so if you had a big hailstorm in June, after you planted and you were insured, obviously, you would file a claim with your insurance company and get one of their adjuster representatives out into your field as quickly as possible. Now, if that adjuster comes out, is able to, to adjust the loss and and assess and pay and pay an indemnity they call it based on that it's possible that that you could get a claim paid on hemp that will later test hot um, if that makes if that makes sense it's oh yeah you know the fact is if there's a covered cause of loss before the hemp is harvested and tested if you do thing if you do things properly a claim can get paid. It's just that if you take the plant all the way to harvest and test it to determine that it's hot, and and are forced to destroy it, that's what's not covered. If that makes sense. Well, that's
1: <laughs> more rules and regulations,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So uh, okay, so that covers about that. But what is the application process like, and uh, what you know, and what are some of the deadlines involved?
2: Uh, well, that's a really good question, Freddie, because there are lots of deadlines involved with crop insurance, uh, including including the sales closing date, all spring crops. Uh, again, not specific to hemp, specific to any farming in Colorado and, and most other states um, that have a spring crop. Um, the deadline to purchase and apply for this insurance or the deadline to apply anyway is March 15th. So we have a pretty, we have a pretty uh, short deadline ahead of us and I've just been doing everything I can to communicate some of the details of the program and obviously find interested people to take a look at it. But, but so that's the big deadline that we're coming up to next over and above that there are deadlines throughout the year um you know that are that are tied to a lot of other deadlines there's and the, some of the big ones are the acreage reporting deadline you know on the application in march you know you you tell them what you plan to grow and then okay. la- later on in the year you actually have to report the acreage that you did grow that you did plant okay so that's a big one and and also another date in there uh, is August 15th. Now I I mentioned that processors contract before. Obviously, it's not customary to be able to have a guaranteed processors contract for the sale of your hemp in March before you've planted it. Some people might be in that position. Most people are are not, but um that's um that's really Um, kind of the critical the critical thing so as far as the application process i mean the application process is quite simple uh, actually assuming these deadlines are met so you'd fill out you know a short application and and i think you know the toughest part to the application process is establishing each farmer's unique production history and i'll touch on that real quick the way this the way these actual production history policies are set up they have to first the first thing you need to do is go back in time to look at a specific farmer's production history with with hemp obviously and and so they look at a four-year history and what they're trying to do is they're trying to average a farmer's production over that four years so Obviously, the question is what happens if I don't have four years, which many people don't have four years of registered growth production. So there is what's called a, a, a T yield or a transitional yield. And these are set by the USDA with the help of, you know, the data being reported to them by farmers in the years past as far as their production. So the USDA has set these T yields, and these T yields will be different from county to county across the country. But basically, the T yield is the county average production. And when they look at production, they're looking at pounds per acre. Okay. okay. So if a farmer doesn't have four consecutive years of prior production history for any year that that there is missing data you would insert this t yield from the county averages to give you so basically the farmers piggybacking on the average county production obviously sometimes that's going to be a good thing if the county on average did better or sometimes it's going to be you know much worse but that that was the way that they um, decided to kind of roll this program out, really just in an effort to dip their toes in the water, frankly. So so that's kind of what a little bit about the application process and really what you need to get started. Yeah, well, wow. great. So tell us,
1: uh, how can people get a hold of you, uh, Brian?
2: Well, Smoke Signal, however, I'm trying to get a hold of them too, <laughs> Freddie. <laughs> I, 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 I sent out a postcard to every farmer, in Colorado and Oregon, first of all, so check your mail. And okay. second of all, I mean, my, my website and my phone number is is out there. I'm a again, I'm a member of most of these associations, so you might be able to find me in the member directory uh, okay. online at foundationsifs.com, or simply give me a call three zero three
1: nine seven four six nine eight three. Awesome. Great. Well, I want to thank you for educating us on the crop insurance and the process and what you have to do. Any last uh, comment, Brian?
2: Just that I'm I'm here for the hemp industry to help develop these programs. I'm aware, and everybody's aware, including the, the USDA. Uh, they're aware that this is that this is not the perfect insurance product. Because it's not the perfect situation, they've never really seen a crop like this. And hemp has a lot of things that make it very unique compared to other commodity crops. So I think this year will be an opportunity for some people to get some level of protection, like I said, if nothing else, with that catastrophic option. Or it's an opportunity for, you know, experienced, successful farmers to get up to 75 percent but there's going to be a lot of people left out in the cold this year, unfortunately, for one reason or another. Um, so I, I'm just here to to help develop this. This year will be whatever this year will be, and we're going to build on it for for programs in, in future years. And later on this summer as well, um, there is a possibility that there will be other what they call private insurance products that are developed. Maybe they're specific to hail or wind coverage or something else, okay. but those products might be out closer to June and July, uh, if at all, for this year. So there might be an opportunity, but it's important to know, private products do not have any federal subsidy. So okay. if you want to take advantage of the government paying up to 75% of your premium for you, then then these the programs that we're talking about here today are the way to do it, and the deadline is March 15th. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Thanks, Freddie.
0: I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the iHamp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on Facebook.com forward slash iHamp Revolution. Like us. And then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.